I'm Marianne Hitt, and this is The Land I Trust, a special four-part series looking at clean energy and climate change in the American South. This episode is about home and all that word can mean. We'll hear from a woman who lost her home due to climate change, a young man who used to hate his home, and a superhero from Florida fighting for clean energy one home at a time. Robinson County, North Carolina is home to the Lumbee Tribe. You might remember this region from previous episodes. Members of the Lumbee Tribe make up most of the nearly 40% of the county population who identify as Native American. One of them is Jordan Revels. So my name is Jordan Revels. I'm a 19-year-old Robinson County resident, local member of the Lumbee Tribe. Earlier this fall, he took a canoe out for a paddle as part of a community event to bring attention to the river and the tribe's connection to it. The day began with a water ceremony led by tribal elders before everyone piled into canoes. So right now, you know, it's been one of my Saturdays showing the, the pride, heritage, and history um, of the Lumber River so that people can appreciate it and understand you know, what's at risk, what's at stake for us. Jordan wasn't always proud to be from Robeson County. For me personally, growing up, I hated Robeson County because of you know, all the issues that were in it. I didn't want to be here. You know, we suffered from poverty and she has one of the highest crime rates. Uh, there's a lot of mental health issues that go unaddressed in the county. But, you know, got into college and I started realizing why it, it is the way it is. Uh, and most importantly, what I can do to change that. And after that, you know, I can honestly say like, it does feel like home. You know, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm from Robinson County. You know, I'm actually proud to say that, and I am going to be Native American Indian. For Jordan, a big part of being a member of the Lumbee tribe is his connection to the Lumber River, which squiggles for over 100 miles through south-central North Carolina. One of the fun things about the Lumber River is that it's kind of like a squiggly line. It's not like, I, I couldn't even say it's a snake because it squiggles too much to be a snake. The river had a lot of impact from my childhood. It was always there, right? So whether it was, you know, some summer afternoon, going to the river, having fun, swimming around, uh, fishing, you know, enjoying a fish fry, which does happen often. Um, it wasn't until later that I realized just how important it was as part of my culture. The river's cultural and historical importance to the Lumbee has led to efforts to change its name to the Lumbee River. Its natural beauty is also something the federal government recognized with the National Wild and Scenic River designation that's afforded it some protection from development, but maybe not enough. The proposed Atlantic Coast Pipeline, you know, they say that there wouldn't be any harm to the local ecology, the local river, but we know that's not true. You know, they're going to disturb the natural flow and stream of the water that's been developed over thousands of years. But uh, I, I try to make it out um, as much as possible because it's almost uh, spiritual in a sense when you're, you're out here and you're just like, just being able to um, sit down, relax, and just be with yourself in nature for a while. It's always good being out on the water, always. Water can bring peace and relaxation. It 
it can also be destructive, like it was for Adrian Kennedy. Like Jordan Revels, Adrian Kennedy called Robinson County home. She has roots in Lumberton. My name is Adrian Kennedy. I'm a resident of Lumberton, North Carolina, Robinson County. Driving through Lumberton, when you see cotton fields, tobacco fields, and people still sitting on their porches, you kind of get a sense of what kind of people we are here. I've known people here for generations. Uh, My church is just right up the street. I can see my grandma's house from where I live. I like being able to walk barefoot to my grandma's house. But for Adrian, everything about her home changed in 2016 when Hurricane Matthew hit North Carolina. Hurricane Matthew, what a journey. There was alerts that people in certain parts of Lumberton should evacuate. My grandmother said that she was going to stay. She said that she had been through Hurricane Hazel, which was in 1945, and she just didn't think that it would be that bad. So I stayed behind through the storm. When I woke up, I saw the biggest, prettiest moon I had ever seen in my life. Problem was the moon had a nice reflection on what was grass. And when I realized that that reflection was off of water, I said, we're in trouble. This is it. And so about three hours later, the sun come up and I couldn't see my truck. I left my vehicle over there. That's when panic mode set in. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that are fortunate enough to go back and rebuild fully. There's probably about 35 houses on my street and half of us, including myself, are not there. I had to find somewhere else to live in Fayetteville, in another city over. My family, my community, my neighborhood, we're all climate refugees. My friend Ernie, my friend Shalanda, and I started asking for donations, diapers, water, and people from all over the country was bringing us things. It just started getting you know, larger and larger. And then we finally ended up here. Today, Adrian runs the Seeds of Hope Project Disaster Relief Center. It's a storefront in downtown Lumberton that provides free supplies to others who have been affected by Hurricane Matthew. This is the just women's clothes area, men's clothes. It's all free. We're coming up on a year anniversary, and there's still people that walk through the door and go, I still don't have a couch. For some people, Seeds of Hope has become a home. I'm from Robson County, North Carolina. My name is Russ L. Chavis. I've been in Robson County for 45 years. This is my hometown. Well, I had some good times here and I had some rough times here. I stayed out on the street here for about six months straight. I'm a homeless person and I've been like that ever since my mama did passed away and she died last year and I've been out on my own ever since. When this hurricane hit us, I was sleeping in the woods and the water was so deep, it flooded me out there in the streets. I didn't have nowhere else to go. All my stuff was on the outside, clothes, all that got wet. It messed up Rockton County pretty bad. It was rough on me at that time, but one day, out of the blue, she told me to get my stuff up and come on. 
a volunteer help her sweep. That's what she needs done, and I've been with her ever since. I'd say 95% of the people that work and volunteer here are hurricane survivors. So it's therapeutic for, for all of us. Oh, I cry every day. I cry every day for this store being here because this is just always going to be home. And now, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Clean Energy Girl. I'm Susan Glickman. I'm the Florida Director of Southern Alliance for Clean Energy. I am also known as Clean Energy Girl. When our current governor, Rick Scott, went into office, I felt like I hadn't really made the kind of impression or connection uh, that I needed to. And I ran into him in the hallway of the Capitol and I stuck out my hand and said, I'm Susan Glickman, I'm Clean Energy Girl. And he looked at me and he said, Clean Energy Girl, and nodded. And I thought, oh, okay, well now he's gonna remember that. And I ended up uh, getting an artist who drew up a cartoon image, a lobbyist by day and then clean energy girl action hero with a cape wonder woman sort of a a look it's sort of a fun thing because when we do this very serious work uh, some of it needs to be fun and it's been really shocking how many people identify with this sort of clean energy girl action hero hello lizard for susan home is tampa florida i was born uh, right here in uh, tampa florida And it's just a very warm and and welcoming place. It's also a place of great beauty. And we're seeing already uh, the impacts of global climate change. Florida is ground zero uh, for global climate change. And the fact that we have people trying to push fossil fuel products on us that are going to continue to uh, build up the greenhouse gas emissions is really troubling. And to completely shift from a fossil fuel economy to a low carbon economy is just a complete paradigm shift. And the difficulty in doing so is because of the incredible money that gets spent by the fossil fuel industry to protect their industry. So it still is not the technical challenge of being able to shift. It's really a political challenge. We haven't had good policy in Florida that allowed the solar market to grow. But with the cost of solar coming down, and then in the fall of 2016, there were two ballot initiatives that really uh, gave a very strong message to our lawmakers uh, that people in Florida want solar. So it's very exciting in the Sunshine State uh, that uh, the cost of solar have dropped so exponentially that it really makes economic sense now. So, hello, Lizard. Susan has worked to transform her home and her house by installing solar panels on her roof. So we are in Bel Air Beach, Florida, right across the street from the beautiful Gulf of Mexico. And I'm very fortunate uh, through the Solar United Neighborhoods Co-op to just have installed solar on my house. It's really taking off, and I I do know that you see a very unusual coalition of both sort of people who care about the environment as well as people who come from more the political right who don't like monopolies, and they also really have an appreciation for energy independence as well. So that's really been one of the big successes here in Florida is sort of the political right, the business community, and environmentalists coming together. 
The state of Florida sends about $50 billion each year out of state to bring in fuel from elsewhere, to bring in coal, to bring in natural gas, to bring in petroleum. So just think about the economic development of keeping those energy dollars working right here in our local community. What would you do to make your home better? To protect your home if it was under threat? To take action, you can go to sc.org slash divest and join the fight against dirty fuel pipelines. Or check out the latest ways to make a difference at addup.org. To hear more stories from the American South, go to sc.org slash stories. I'm Marianne Hitt, and this is The Land I Trust. Original music in this episode by Komiku, Blue Dot Sessions, Kai Engel, and Lee Rosevere. Special thanks to Caroline Hansley, Donna Chavis, Stephen Stetson, and Alyssa Jean Schaefer. This episode was produced by Josephine Holtzman and Isaac Kestenbaum with Jeff Shaw and Chelsea Watson.